the wall. How many know we're on a journey? And, and we have stressed this over the years that it's not just about getting your ticket stamped to go to heaven and then just waiting till you die. It's about a journey. We're on a journey. Things are happening to us, good, bad, ugly. But things are happening to us on this journey. And, and, and the Lord's expecting progress on this journey. Some people have decided to just quit the journey and camp out. And they're not, they're not on journey anymore. I don't know where you are. We left you back there somewhere. But we, we need to stay on this journey. How many believe he expects growth from us? The problem is so many times that we come up against walls. And, and of course, we've preached that so many times and the breakthroughs that come. But the Lord has really helped me to understand this in, in a deeper way. And I hope we can get real practical this morning and, and just break through some walls, pierce some darkness. Amen. And get us to the light and understand what those walls are really all about. Because sometimes we just blame the devil or we boo-hoo or we quit or we just camp out at the wall, just kind of connect a lean-to to it and just live there. Instead of learning how to break through the wall, every saint in the Bible has been on this journey. How many know there's no saint in scriptures that had an easy way in? And we can go through them, and we can't take a lot of time, but, you know, Abraham being called out of his hometown and had to journey all that way, and, had, and, you know, he had those promises. Have you ever gotten a promise? And he got that promise of a son, and he's 90 years old, still no son, testing his faith. And when he got the son, the, the Lord suggested he give him up. <laughs> what? But he says, you know what? Even if my son dies, he's my promised son, and I believe even though he dies, God can raise him from the dead because God promised me a son. Amen. And if it takes resurrection to make it happen, then I believe in resurrection, and we all now believe in resurrection because Jesus has been resurrected. Wow. Abraham went through everything he went through. Moses, everything he went through, right? Grew up in Pharaoh's house. He had the life of luxury till he killed that Egyptian. You know, murder will get you in trouble. He spends the next 40 years in the wilderness, not realizing the training and the, what God was taking him through. And then for the next four, he began his ministry at 80. For the next 40 years in the wilderness, putting up with a million members. No wonder he lost his temper. My God, I don't blame him. So how many believe there's some walls? We can talk about David. We, you know, poor Jeremiah. You know, his whole message was, we're going to go into captivity. That was his preaching. I'm glad I got a good news. <laughs> Jeremiah's whole message was bad news. And then they get carried off, and he gets left behind. He, he has to stay with a, with a few people that weren't even worthy to be captives. And he had to stay behind in, 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 in a burned-out Jerusalem and pick up the pieces. Sometimes God calls us to just pick up pieces. Wow. I'm just here to tell you there's going to be some walls in your life. 
Psalms uh, uh, 120 through 135, those 15 psalms are called the psalms of ascents, uh, the psalms of climbing, the psalms of going up. I know probably 25 years ago I preached a 15-part message, you know, series, and I preached on every one of those 15 psalms because those are the psalms that they sang as they traveled from wherever they lived And how many know they had very slow-moving vehicles at that time? (laughs) And what what would just take us an hour would take, you know, days for them. And they would walk, and they would journey with their friends and family, and then other people would join them. And and by the time they got to to Jerusalem, there would be large crowds of people. And every day another another group or another hour, another group would come in, and, and they would travel together. Amen. Three times a year, and they would come to Jerusalem and travel together to worship. And as they ascended, how many know Jerusalem's on a hill? And as they, so wherever you come from, you're always going up. How many know our journey is always uphill? Now, we love being uphill, but what we don't like is climbing uphill. Once you get up there, you like the view. But it's climbing up there that's the challenge. You got to fight through some stuff, and and I was tempted to read all fifteen psalms, but that to take that would take the whole half hour. But can I read just the verse one, maybe verse two on just six or seven of them? Would you would you would you do okay with this? Okay, just to give you a feel of the songs that they were singing. So let's fly through this real quick. Psalms 120 and verse 1. I was desperate for you to help me in my struggles, and you did. Can you imagine them singing that song? Psalms 121. I look up to the mountains and hills longing for God's help. Remember, they're climbing. They're climbing. But then I realize that our true help and protection come only from the Lord, our creator, who made the heavens and the earth. Oh, I, I'm so tempted you know, it's really bad when you got rabbits in your notes. <laughs> Where am I? Verse 122, I was overjoyed when they said, let's go up to the house of the Lord. Come on now. Verse one, chapter 123, verse 1, God enthroned in heaven, I worship and adore you. Psalms 124, what if God had not been on our side? Let all Israel admit this. What if God had not been there for us? Have you ever wondered, what, how could I have gotten through that? How could I have made it through that funeral? How could I have made it through that tragedy? How could I have made it through that divorce? How could I have made it through that sickness? If God had been my, by my, had not been by, have you ever asked, how do people get through life without Jesus Christ? Amen. Listen, this, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. You're going through the same thing that sinners are going through, but we never walk alone. Somebody's praying for me, and if you keep it up, you're going to kill me. Our enemies, in their violent anger, would have swallowed us up alive if it had not been for who? The Lord. Verse, chapter 125, verse 1. Those who trust in the Lord are as unshakable, as unmovable, as mighty Mount Zion. And that's where we're climbing. That's where we're going. 
Finally, Psalms 126, it was like a dream come true when you freed us from our bondage and brought us back to Zion. We laughed and laughed and overflowed with gladness. We were left shouting for joy and singing your praise. All the nations saw it and joined in saying, the Lord has done great miracles for them. Oh, church, I want us to get to the place where your friends and family that aren't saved will have to admit that's a miracle. God did something impossible for them. Amen. Oh, the Lord is with Journey Life Center. Anybody with me on that? Amen. We want to see the miraculous. Wow. Woo. I'm ready to quit. That's enough. Say all the rest. We're on a journey. So I, can I teach a little bit? So I'm going to throw this picture up. It's in your bulletin if, if, you can't, if you can't read it. It's hard to get that much information on a slide. But there are stages of the journey, okay? There are stages of the journey. So let me, let me go through these with you real quick. You ready? The first stage, obviously, is, is just getting saved. That break, that initial breakthrough. And, but it, it's strange how some people have stayed there. If you ask them, are you saved, they go, oh, oh yeah, I am. I remember 20 years ago, I, yeah, I did that. Crossed that off my list. There's whole denominations that are really just centered around just salvation. As if there isn't anything more. But that's just stage one. That's just going through the door. There's other rooms in the house. Check it out. So we go through the door. We go through that stage. Amen. The second stage is discipleship. It's uh, getting involved in something. So after we get saved, we, we begin this journey of figuring out what's right and what's wrong. We begin to figure out what it means to be faithful. And by the way, that's not on you. He'll make a way for you. We respond to God, not, not for Him to love us more, but a lot of times that's where people get stuck, that they think, okay, I'm saved. Now I need to do something. I need to stay saved by, by doing right things. Listen, you can't get saved by doing right things, and you can't stay saved by doing right things. You can get in trouble doing wrong things. <laughs> Amen? But, but you, can't, you, can't, you can't get closer to God just because you do good things. You're closer to God because he, he made a way for you to do good things. But we go through that stage, and it's kind of like, like the birth of a baby and the terrible twos where you're testing your boundaries. Hello. And then you get to stage three. It's called the active life. Now, now you're, you're not just, you figured out kind of how this thing works. You figured out how to act on Sunday, even though you don't act that way on Monday. You, did, I, did that come out of my mouth? It sure enough did. We, we figure out how to live. We figure out how to, and then we start, then we get involved. And some of you haven't got to that stage yet. But there's that stage where you think, you know what? 
I, I don't want to just come to church and be a Christian. I want to do something for the Lord. I want to get involved in things. Amen. I have gifts and talents. I know God made me for a purpose. And I want to find that purpose and get involved with God. And it's surprising how many times that we would be perfectly happy to stop at stage three. We'd be, we'd be fine. I go to church every Sunday. I'm faithful. I pay my tithes. I shake the preacher's hand. I, I'm, in good, I'm in good standing. Every, you know, I, I'm involved. I teach a class. I sing on the praise team. I uh, help with this. I help with that. I, I show up at fellowship. You know, I'm, I, I'm a good person. I'm, I'm okay. But then out of nowhere, and I don't know when it happens. Sometimes it happens really quick. And sometimes it doesn't happen real quick because the Lord knows you can't handle it right away. But when, listen, he never sends a trial that you can't handle. He won't allow the enemy to put anything on you until you're ready to deal with it. Boy, you need to remind yourself of that every time you go through something and you say, I just don't think I can make it. Liar. The devil's the liar. He put that in your head. Come on now. But you hit what I'm going to call a wall. It's usually some kind of crisis. It's something happens in your life that doesn't make sense. Because we all know good people, bad things never happen to good people. Maybe someone close to you dies and you can't figure it out. Maybe, maybe something just unfair or all of a sudden you're facing a divorce or some kind of, you know, the, the doctor says you got cancer. <laughs> Your kids are turning out rotten. And then how many of you had crisis on top of crisis where it's not just one thing going wrong, a lot, couple things are going wrong. Anybody ever been there? Just raise your hand and testify. And, and, and when you're young in the Lord, you're thinking, well, wait a minute, wait, I got saved. I, I, I'm living right. I'm involved in the church. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. I don't understand why this is happening to me. Is it the devil? Is it God? Did I mess up? Do I have some secret sin in my life? By the way, God's not into God's not into laying the hammer on you every time you mess up. Oh, we can, we, oh, we can preach there. No, no. Boy, we sang some great songs this morning. He really loves us. Love covers so many things. We hit that wall. You see the wall? You see that wall? And we just can't figure it out. Sometimes we just go, you know what? We'll never figure it out. When I get to heaven, I'll fuss at Jesus. Or we give up and say, I don't understand this. God's not good. And they quit on God. Come on. But some people, because listen, when that wall hits, some of those walls you can't go over. You can't find a way around it. You even dug under it. And there's no way 
you realize, you know what? I'm going to have to face the wall and go through it. I got to go through. Come on, somebody. We got to go through the wall. Sometimes you got to go through. You got to fight your way through the wall. And the question is, why? Why is God doing this? Why does he allow this? I thought he was a good God. I thought he loved me. And we begin to have all these questions. And by the way, God's a big God. You can have questions. It's not like he's up there in heaven saying, what's wrong with them and questioning me? I'm God of all the universe. I think God's big enough to handle your little question. You're not going to offend him. Sometimes we, people will question God. And we want, oh, 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 don't do that. What's he going to do? No, he's not going to stomp on you. He, he loves you. Listen, what do you do with your children when they question you? Well, sometimes they do get a spanking. But I, I'm not now anymore. But you stand in a corner, right? I, are you hearing what I'm saying? We get to that wall. Some people never, some people quit. Some people just camp out at the wall, and they, and they hold that hurt, that grudge. Come on now. They, they hold that against God, and they're, they're still saved, and, and they're still trying to live right, and they're still involved in the church, but there's something there. Something's there, and they just can't get past it. I'm talking to somebody. I'm not judging. I'm not saying it's some horrible thing. I'm trying to show you what you can do to get past it. 500 years ago, St. John of the Cross, he called it the dark night of the soul. And every Christian, I don't care who you are, I don't care how great a Christian you are, you know what I'm talking about when I talk about the dark night of the soul. You don't want to admit that you question God, but you have. You don't want to admit that times were so hard that you were tempted to give up. But I'm here to tell you, I know you better than that. I'm here to tell you, I've been there, so I know you've been there too. People say, Pastor, I don't know how you do it. Yes, because you don't live with me. (laughs) Ask Gloria how nice I am sometimes. She will fill you in. Amen. On second thought, don't talk to Gloria. What was I thinking? The woman is too truthful. (laughs) The dark night of the soul. We're going to break it down, but let, let me say this. That wall is necessary. That wall has a purpose. And when you break through that wall, and, and it may happen in stages, and it's not like you break through one wall and you never have to go through another one. So these stages aren't, you know, just, okay, I broke through one wall, now I'm in stage four the rest of my life. No. What is God doing? He's trying to kill something 
He's trying to remove something in you that prevents you from going to stage four, which is the inward journey, an inward journey. It's not just about doing things for God. It's about being with him. And there's just things in our life that if we don't deal with them, and I'll I'll break it down a little bit better here towards the end, but if we don't deal with some of these things, they will just keep coming up. It's kind of like you ever have a teacher who said you're going to keep taking the test till you pass it? It's not like, oh, I flunked that. Oh, well, let's go on to the next test. No. Uh, God doesn't do what they do in school now. You know, you flunked your grade, but they push you through anyway. He's not going to push you through anyway. You're going to go through that over and over and over until you pass the test. And it's only when you deal with something. Am I helping anybody? It's only when you deal with some of that stuff that you're going to your past The way you were raised, the way you think, you, you know, your soul, you're, you know, you're saved on your way to heaven, but you, you still have stinking thinking. There's got to be some changes for you to go through the inward journey, and that inward journey is blocked by a wall. I love Song of Songs, chapter 5. One of, this is really one of my top five scriptures, and I've preached from it many times. I just want to read it real quick. And, it's, and it's, it's really, by the way, this is in the New King James Version. Don't read Song of Psalms in the Passion Translation. Now I know you will. Well, it's really about a love affair, and the Passion Translation takes out all the old 1600 mentality, and it's okay. Let's, and I, I didn't dare read it in the Passion. So you, I sleep, but my heart is awake. Boy, that right there just describes most of us. We're asleep, but our heart, something in us. Come on, church, something in us. Even when we don't want to do it, we've got to do it. Even when we don't feel like praying, there's something in us that says, even when you don't feel like coming to church or you don't feel like going deeper with God. How many know if you're saved, there's always something in you going, come on, anybody have that push of the Spirit in your life? I sleep, but my heart is awake. It's the voice, say the voice. It's the voice of my beloved. How many know he stands at the door and knocks, saying, open, open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one, for my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drop of the night. Thank you, King James. I I have taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? I have washed my feet. How can I defile them? In other words, I'm comfortable where I am. I'm comfortable, but my lover is knocking at the door. I don't know if you're going to get this preaching elsewhere, but I'm going to preach it. 
It needs to be more than coming to church on Sunday. There's got to be more than that. If that's all there is, and just going through the motions, re- read a chapter a day or something, pray 10 minutes, and, and we're done. How many believe there's more? My, my beloved has put his hand by the latch of the door. My heart leaped, yearned for him, but I'm still, I'm still laying in the bed. Finally, she arose. Finally, she gets out of bed. My hands dripped with the myrrh. She, she, she touched the door handle, and the myrrh was, his myrrh was on the, oh, oh you got to get this. Maybe I should have read it in the Passion. We'd have to excuse the children. I sought him, but I could not. I always preach the first part of this and not the, not the next part so much. He's, I sought him, but I could not. Sometimes we just can't find him. There's a wall. There's a wall. I called him, but he gave me no answer. Have you ever just prayed and no answer? There are watchmen on the walls. The watchmen who went about the city found me. Wow. They struck me. They wounded me. The keepers of the walls took my veil away. I feel uncovered. I feel exposed. I feel like the enemy's just doing whatever he wants. It's just one thing after another after another. I feel overwhelmed. I'm depressed. People that are supposed to be looking out for me are wounding me. My veil's gone. My covering, my protection. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, church, if you, church, if you find my beloved, that you tell him, I am love sick. I don't care what I have to go through. I don't care what's going on. I don't care that I'm being uh, attacked uh, day after day and all these things are happening to me. Let him know, I'm love sick. I'm going to get through this one way or the other. Verse 8, I think there's another verse. Through though our first Peter, though our faith, through our faith, the mighty power of God constantly guards us until our full. Do you realize you're not fully saved? That it's more than just getting your ticket stamped. There's more to say. Ha! I'm being saved every day. You got to get that in your spirit. He saves you every day. No wonder we don't live like we're supposed to live. We don't realize, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. I should be on the praise team. (laughs) May the thought of this, may the thought of this, that your salvation is going to be revealed. May the thought of this cause you to jump for joy, even though lately you've had to put up with the grief of many trials. Though you're heavy with trials, it's time 
to jump for joy. Yes, this old man can jump. But these only reveal, these only reveal, say that with me, my wall only reveals the sterling core of your faith. He's just trying to get you to realize what's already in you. He's not trying to get you to do something or be something. He's trying to get you to realize who you already are and what you already are able to do. Punch your neighbor and say, it's in you. It's the prego spirit. It's there. Uh, they didn't get it. All right. Prego. It's in, okay. It's far more valuable than gold that perishes. For even gold is refined by fire. You know, some people get so excited about streets of gold. Oh, we're going to go streets of gold. I think it's one reason they're excited because they think they're going to steal a brick. I think they really are. They're going to get up there and start stealing bricks. But I'm here to tell you, the reason why the streets are made of gold, because that's the cheapest thing up there. Ha, hallelujah. Listen, it's refined by fire. It takes fire for gold to be, uh, to be pure. The authentic faith will result in even more praise, glory, and honor when Jesus, the anointed one, is revealed. And it's not just talking about the end time. How many know he wants to reveal himself in you? Yeah, when you got saved, you, didn't, you don't have the full revelation, honey. You wait and see. The full revelation's still coming your way. He's going to reveal himself, and you'll be surprised at who Jesus really is. Come on and give him a praise. Listen, Peter says you love him passionately, although you did not see him. But through believing in him, you are saturated with an ecstatic Joy, indescribable, sublime, and immersed in glory. How many of you have that kind of joy? Well, notify your face. I'm really happy. I just got joy, joy, yeah, yeah. I like some of these really dead churches. They read these scriptures where it says, shout for joy. And they say, shout for joy. No, it says shout. Oh, we, we don't shout in our church. We're too dignified. But the Bible says shout. The Bible says raise your hands. I don't mean to offend anyone, but it doesn't say do this. For some weird people, they think it means this. No, no. That's just wrong. How many are still here? How many still love your pastor? Weaker, but okay. Uh, how about Hebrews, Hebrews chapter, I got to hurry up. Hebrews chapter 12, watch this. It's, it says, make very sure that you never refuse to listen to God when he speaks. 
for the God who speaks on earth from Sinai. Remember Old Testament Sinai? Right? Thunder, you know, Moses, you go up and talk to him. I'm scared. Is the same God, is the same God, the same God who now speaks from heaven. My, 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 come on, are you hearing me? Those who heard him speak his living word on earth found nowhere to hide. So, hmm. so what chance is there for us to escape if we turn our backs on God and refuse to hear his warnings as he speaks from heaven? Next verse. Wow, wow, wow. The earth was rocked at the sound of his voice from the mountain. But now, say, but now. He has promised once and for all, I will not only shake, say shake, the systems of the world, but also the unseen powers in the heavenly realm. There's a shaking about to hit that wall. My God. Now this phrase, once and for all, clearly indicates the final, say final, final removal of things that are shaking. That is the old order. So only what is unshakable will remain. Since we are receiving our rights to an unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful and offer God the purest worship that delights his heart as we lay down our lives in absolute surrender, filled with awe, for our God is a holy, devouring fire, and that's what causes the gold. Unshakable. The purpose of the wall is to change the old order, the order you were raised with. This is where it gets sticky now. How many will stay with me to the end? (laughs) There's some really strange scriptures like, like Matthew 10, 37, right? It says, he who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Ouch. Ouch. Matthew 12, right? Same, you know, two chapters later. Then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak. You know, mom mom, and your brothers are out there. They want to talk with you. He said, but he answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Ouch. He stretched his hand out toward his disciples and said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother Sister, um, come on, church. In another place, he said, don't think I came to send peace. I came to send a sword. And the sword is going to divide mother from father and father from son, right? And if you're not careful, it's almost like Jesus is (laughs) anti-family. It's like he wants you to hate your parents. It's kind of, you ever read that and go, Right? Come on, be honest. Didn't we agree to be honest this morning? Well, maybe not. Maybe I forced it on you. I'm here to tell you this scripture can can bother you. And and really, I've always kind of understood it. But just recently, the Holy Spirit has just given me a revelation on this that I want to leave with you. How how many want to hear? Amen? All right, come back next Sunday for part two. here, Here it is, here it is, here it is. Here it is. You're not going to get through the wall as long as you value your family DNA more than your spiritual DNA. You have to actually stop acting 
like your parents and grandparents act. A personality, a culture, a, a, you know, all this has been passed on to you. Some people like to call it generational curses. And I know some people are uncomfortable with that, and I don't have time to get into all of that. It's like, we don't have any curses. Well, you're, you're not supposed to be sick either, but you are. You don't always get healed. How many still have a few issues once in a while? So if you're not out from under that curse, there are family curses. They're not legal. They're not supposed to be there. The cross has dealt with them. But until you break through the wall and crucify those things, He's not saying don't love your mother and your father. He's saying quit acting like them. He's saying start loving me. Start acting like me. It's it's my DNA that will set you free. What your parents touch is nice, but it won't set you free. The examples of the generations, that's cool, but that's not going to, there's no power in the DNA you got from your grandpa. There's only power in the DNA that God gives. Oh, somebody help me in this place. Glory to God. John chapter 9, I'll close with this, which really doesn't mean anything, but I thought I'd throw that in. I'm not sure if we even have the scripture. If we don't, that's fine. John chapter 9, verse 1, 2, 3. You remember the story real quick? You remember the story that uh, Jesus notices a blind man? Hello? He he notices a blind. He was blind from birth. And the disciples notice. It's amazing how how we look at things so differently. The disciples and the Pharisees and everyone else, they ask Jesus the question, whose fault is it? Because he was born blind. And they, they assumed it was because, because in the Jewish mind, you're a sinner even in the womb. A lot of people still believe that. That's why they baptize babies because if they don't baptize them, they're go, those babies go to hell. Anyone believe that? You don't. Hello, you don't. I think the cross is big enough to cover people who don't know the difference between right and wrong. <laughs> it's interesting. Is, was it his fault because he was born that way, born in sin? Or is it because of what he inherited? It's interesting. The word there for parents is really fathers in the plural. And it really means what is it because of what he inherited from the generations? Is that why he's blind? He's blind because what? Because of generational curses? Well, I'm going to help somebody right here. Here's what Jesus said. It's not his fault, and it's not his parents' fault. It's not about what he inherited. I got some good news here at the end. Some of you are thinking, oh, my God, when I think back all the horse thieves in my line, I'm doomed. I'm here to tell you it's not about 
that DNA. You don't have to live with that DNA. You know what Jesus said? He was born blind for the glory of God. He was born blind because I'm about to show him what my DNA can do. Oh, somebody help me in this place. Because you have the same promise. He said, I want him to see what my DNA can do for him. Remember what he did? He spit on the clay. You know what that means? We're made from the clay, but he put his DNA in it. Go ahead and spit on me, Jesus. I'm fine. <laughs> put that DNA. Amen. When they want to know your DNA, what do they do? They, they get a little bit of your spit. Ah, oh, come on. Hallelujah. I always wonder. That was the weirdest scripture. Jesus is spitting on people now. He's trying to make a point. It's not the DNA you got from your daddy. It's the DNA you got from me. And my, I'm going to set you free. I'm going to heal those eyes. I'm going to touch your home. I'm going to heal your body. I'm going to touch your finances. I am here to make a difference in you. Somebody, stand to your feet and praise him good. Come on, best shout of the morning. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, my God, he's in the house. Ah! The other stage is you go through that inward journey. And then, you know what happens then? You start, you start getting re-involved in the church, but now you're involved at a, for a whole different reason. You're doing things for a whole different reason. You're doing it at a whole different level. You're operating in his DNA because you've been through the wall. You start, to, you start working for the Lord and you're not complaining. You start working for the Lord. You say, well, they just, they just, <laughs> pastor didn't say thank you. I'm quitting it. Nobody appreciates me. Well, you're not working for me anyway. Take it up with him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When you get through those walls, changes everything. And you know what that last stage is? You really start loving people. And you really start loving God. <laughs> I know. I don't know what you all think of me in the last few years. <laughs> I've been through a lot of walls, but... Because there's just level after level after level of this. But I'm here to tell you, I'm loving God like, like I've never loved him before. I, I'm kind of an introvert, but I'm loving people more than I've ever loved people before. I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't remember my parents ever hugging me. I don't remember them ever saying, I love you. I, I, they did, but Right? Anyone else face that? I mean, you just. But now I'm pretty much hugger in chief. <laughs> I did it at first because it meant something to other people, but now it's, I'm kind of liking it, you know. <laughs> I love to see lives changed. I love it when you, when you get God's DNA and put down your DNA. Oh, Jesus. 
If you need to spit on my clay, spit on my clay. Let there be a change in my life. I I hope I help somebody to understand what you're going through is gold. Gold. And when you get through it, you won't just be better. You're going to be deeper. How many know we got to start going deeper? How do you jump on a trampoline? Do you just do you just go like that? How many know you got to go down to go up? And then when you come, because you were so high, now you can go even. What? You never jumped on a trampoline? Hello? You come down now, you can go even. Which means you can go. Which means you can go. Which means you can get scary. Scary high. How many want to be scary high and really low in him? Ah, Jesus. Father, everyone facing a wall today, God, let them rejoice. Let them rejoice because the moment has come where the Lord has trusted them with this trial. And now they can break through. Now they can get through. Now they can be with him like they've never been with him before. Oh, God. Oh, God. No wonder it says be thankful in all things. No wonder it says be thankful for the trial. Because the wall is a door. The wall is a door. Father, anyone here today that's facing a wall, God, break them through it in Jesus' name. Prayer team, come up. Now listen. Jesus, I know the wall looks thick and scary. Well, I'm here to tell you that wall is a puff of smoke. If you'll take a good run at it, you'll just go right through it. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he who could push you through the wall than the wall itself. 